And then in clinicals, I'm actually like seeing people Mm -hmm. who are suffering from complications of obesity. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing a patient whose BMI was, I think, 34 or 35. Mm -hmm. So not even that high compared to what a lot of patients that we see. Right. And they're like, well, she's, you know, morbid. She's obese. Mm -hmm. And all I can think is my BMI is like 43. And I'm like, "I, I can't do this. And as I'm going through and seeing patients in clinic as a medical student, I'm like, well, you know, you need to watch what you eat and you try to exercise. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I think about is I sound like such a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. Like, all you have to do is look at me and obviously I don't do any of these things. Mm-hmm. This is episode number 88 with Dr. Rebecca Bonsky. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Julie Fouché, family medicine resident and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring to you information and inspiration from experts and everyday individuals for how to use lifestyle to maximize health. Thank you so much for joining me. Now let's get started with this week's episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to Pursuing Health. I am super excited to be here today with Dr. Rebecca Blonsky, and you'll get to hear about how we first met here shortly in the beginning of the episode. Um, But when I first met Rebecca in the hospital, right off the bat, I was impressed not only by her personal transformation story, but even more so by the person that she is and the passion that she brings to her work as a nephrologist. Just a brief bit of background about her before we get started. Rebecca grew up as an overweight child in a family where obesity and diabetes were common. And by medical school, she was morbidly obese. She says she weighs over 320 pounds at her heaviest. And it was while completing her clinical rotations that Rebecca started to feel like a bit of a hypocrite. She was counseling her patients on making healthy lifestyle choices to manage their weight and their chronic medical conditions. But she felt like she wasn't doing the same. And so by taking baby steps toward making small manageable changes to her diet and her exercise routine, Rebecca has lost more than 150 pounds and she now uses nutrition and exercise as a first line approach when working with her patients as a nephrologist. Today, she's an active CrossFit athlete preparing to take on her next challenge as an attending physician at Marshfield Clinic, the same place where she began her health journey. In this episode, we get to talk about everything from her upbringing to Rebecca's decision to start losing weight in medical school and how she went about it, how she got into CrossFit and why she loves the community so much, and how she now uses her own experience to inform the discussions she has as a nephrologist with her patients about nutrition and exercise. A few quick reminders before we get started. First, this episode is produced by Beyond the Whiteboard, the best workout tracking in the biz and the one I've been using since 2009. You can learn more at beyondthewhiteboard.com. If you're enjoying the podcast, please head over to iTunes to subscribe and consider giving it a rating. It really does make a difference. I'm also always looking for inspiring stories to share. So if you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please send your story to me at info at juliefouché.com and I'll select some to share here on future episodes. Finally, please remember that although I am now officially a doctor, this podcast is meant to share the experiences of individuals and does not provide medical advice. So, With that, here we go. Let's get started with episode number 88 of Pursuing Health featuring Dr. Rebecca Blonsky. 
Welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm really excited to be here with Dr. Rebecca Blonsky, official name. Um, and I wanted to just start off with how we met because I think it's really cool. Yeah. It was about, I guess it was a, maybe almost a year and a half ago. And I was doing a rotation, one of my last rotations of med school in the ICU. And you were consulting on a bunch of patients. Mm-hmm. Um, and your, I guess that was your first, second first, year of first fellowship. Year of fellowship. Okay. In nephrology, and somehow we made the CrossFit connection, and you were super enthusiastic about teaching me everything about nephrology and showing me urine under the microscope, and I thought that was so cool. <laughs> um, and then you told me a little bit about your story, but we recently reconnected, and I'm really excited to have you here on the podcast. So thanks. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we made the CrossFit connection because I awkwardly asked you if you were like bachelor Bishop. <laughs> It's okay. I found that um, actually like ICUs and emergency rooms seem to have the highest proportion of people who do CrossFit, whether it's like nurses, doctors, anyone. I don't know if it's just the intensity that, you know, tend to be attract those types of people or if it's maybe the shift work and so people end up getting into CrossFit that way. I'm not sure, but yeah, I don't, I don't it seems know. to be a trend because I find that I meet a lot more people in emergency rooms and ICUs that do CrossFit. Yeah, a lot of surgeons do CrossFit too. Yes, that that's true. That's true. I have met a lot of surgeons, which is pretty remarkable, um, especially the residents with their schedule. I, I think know, right? it's amazing that they're doing it. So, <laughs> Awesome. Well, do you want to start off? I really want to hear your story. And yeah, actually, yeah. we so we met a year and a half ago and then recently reconnected, but I have not actually heard your whole story in detail. So this is going to be really fun. Well, I'm excited um, about this. <laughs> <laughs> but do you want to start off with maybe just kind of where you grew up, childhood, what kind of things you were into, sure. and then we can go from there. So uh, I was born in Green Bay, Wisconsin, Okay. and then I grew up in upstate New York, like half an hour from Canada, mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons I kind of sound like I'm from Canada <laughs> okay. sometimes. Okay. <laughs> and then in high school, we moved back to um, central Wisconsin. Okay. So I finished high school there in Wausau, mm-hmm. and then went to college, University of Minnesota, and then went to medical school at American University of the Caribbean. Oh, cool. So I was in St. Martin for two years and then did my oh. rotations in New York City. That's awesome. So, so mostly started off in Wisconsin or mm-hmm. in the... And the then Midwest. you have to be in the warmth for a couple of years. I'm jealous. It's funny. I would like Skype my parents in the middle of winter and be like, oh, look outside my window. See those small my, trees. My parents do that to me all the time now. They spend the winters in Florida and they send me sunset pictures like every other day. And you're like, thanks. The sunset here four hours ago. Right. I haven't seen the sun in three months. So thank you. But so, that's but, awesome. Uh, you know, but I was never really, when I was younger, I was never into sports. Okay. I was on the swim team for a little while. Mm-hmm. I didn't love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was on debate team okay. and mock trial. Of course. And I was in the band and the orchestra. Okay. What did you play? Um, so I played the flute and I played the violin. Oh, wow. Wow. That's very impressive. Thanks. Two difficult instruments. <laughs> <laughs> I still play the flute sometimes when okay. I have free time. It's like calming. Yeah. So, so cool. But, you know, again, never really into sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and how did you get into get interested in medicine or head that direction? So my mom is a nurse. Okay. She's retired now. My dad's actually also a nephrologist. Okay. So if people don't know, a nephrologist is a kidney doctor. There we go. Thank so. you for informing everyone. 
<laughs> Sorry, so it's no, it's okay. It's not up. a, it's a, it's not a common specialty people know about because mm-hmm. most people don't have to see a kidney doctor, which is a good thing. Right. Right. Um, so my dad is a nephrologist as mm-hmm. well. And in college, and I always wanted to be a doctor. When I was little, I always mm-hmm. wanted to be a doctor. And when I started medical school, I thought I was going to be a pathologist. Okay. Because I loved histology and I loved all, like, everything. Interesting. And then in my rotations, I realized how much I actually liked patients. Mm-hmm. And That's so interesting because I feel like <laughs> most people that go into medicine, I don't know that many people that go in thinking they want to do pathology. I right. think usually they figure it out along the way, but... That's so interesting. So, and then I did internal medicine mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm not going to do nephrology though. <laughs> My dad's, I'm not going to do nephrology. <laughs> and it's what I like the most. Yeah. So, and I did my residency at the Marshfield Clinic in uh, Marshfield, Wisconsin. Okay. And actually that's where I'm going back for an attending job. So, so exciting. They hired just- me back. About a month or two, so I know I'm a little nervous. <laughs> You're gonna be awesome. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. So, what was it about nephrology that really attracted you, even though you tried to resist? <laughs> so, I'm a big math person. Okay, I'm pretty like I'm pretty nerdy, but everyone in nephrology is oh, pretty nerdy. <laughs> I mean, I think it's the most complicated organ, so you have to be pretty nerdy. <laughs> so it's. I don't think it's complex, but it, I mean, it is a difficult subject. It, yeah. In my opinion, it's not as difficult as rheumatology or oncology. That's true. There's a but lot of very I complicated. Think, I think it's really what you mm-hmm. like, though. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of math and it's a lot of, like, you know, things that you can solve. And mm-hmm. I really like acid base and electrolyte disorders. So mm-hmm. it's kind of, and it's it's almost like a primary care, too. Mm-hmm. So a lot of patients are my patients for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Until That's they nice. end up on dialysis, which I try to prevent. Right. But you have that continuity, which is nice. Yeah. Um, I remember one of our our teachers in med school always used to say that the smartest nephrologist is still dumber than the dumbest kidney or something yeah. something along those lines. But basically, <laughs> the, the kidney as an organ is incredibly smart. The so. kidney does so much. And nobody really knows until you study it mm-hmm. or you have a problem with your mm-hmm. kidneys. But it's... It's such a, it's such a smart organ. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, um, going back a little bit to kind of your journey as far as working out, health, your personal health journey. Yeah. How did that start for you? So I was overweight, obese my whole life. Okay. Even as a child, I remember like in grade school, you know how they weigh you in the nurse mm-hmm. and I would always get notes home. Like mm-hmm. you need to do something about mm-hmm. her weight. And the nurses would tell me, and I'd say, well, I guess we have a plan. And, like, my mom would record my weight, and, like, we try to work on it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I'm... Mom, Dad, I love you, but yeah. I'm from... I mean, I'm from an overweight and obese family, and we're into... We're, we weren't really into sports. Mm-hmm. So, I never really liked exercising and doing the stuff because it just wasn't not part really of your life. Yeah. Right. So, um, going into high school, college, I mean, I knew I was overweight mm-hmm. in college. I like, I had a sore throat and ended up going to the health services mm-hmm. and that's when I hit my highest weight okay. and it was 320 plus. Wow. So, and I was mortified. Yeah. You're in your 20s and you're morbidly obese. And it was always kind of a thing. I couldn't shop with my friends, do things. I had one girl in high school tell me she liked hanging out with me because it made her seem small. Mm. I'm like, 
So, and I mean, it's something that I always knew. Yeah. And then starting medical school, you know, it's something I knew and I studied and it's like, yeah, obesity causes diabetes, hypertension. Like, okay. Right. You hear it over and over again, but yeah. Right. And then in clinicals, I'm actually like seeing people Mm -hmm. who are suffering from complications of obesity. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing a patient whose BMI was, I think, 34 or 35. Mm -hmm. So not even that high compared to what a lot of patients that we see. Right. And they're like, well, she's, you know, morbid. She's obese. Mm -hmm. And all I can think is my BMI is like 43. And I'm like, "I, I can't do this. And as I'm going through and seeing patients in the clinic as a medical student, I'm like, well, you know, you need to watch what you eat and you try to exercise. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I think about is I sound like such a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. Like, all you have to do is look at me, and obviously I don't do any of these things. Mm-hmm. So I was, I remember the day I, I downloaded my fitness pal. Okay. I was with a bunch of surgery residents, and um, the one resident just had a baby. Okay. And she was talking about this I was like maybe I'll try this so I actually downloaded the app Mm -hmm. and I started tracking Mm -hmm. and I realized like I eat a lot of really junky foods (laughs) it's amazing what happens when you start actually looking at what you eat in a day right yeah and like as the thing is like and you know I would always I got into the habit of tracking before I ate it okay and as I'm going to track it I'm like you know I'm not actually I'm not hungry Mm mm-hmm and it made me a little more mindful and then I started to lose weight mm-hmm. and then I started to do like Jillian Michaels yoga yes. in my room <laughs> and I felt good I started to feel better yeah. I'm eating better and I'm feeling better and then I finished medical school and I come home mm-hmm. I'm at home and I actually have a lot of time off so mm-hmm. I started cooking for myself mm-hmm. and like actually watching what I'm eating and not that my mom ever cooked like unhealthy food mm-hmm. I just ate a lot of it yeah yeah so I'm actually I'm like watching what I'm eating and I'm exercising and when I started residency I was already a lot lighter mm-hmm. and through residency I continued to um, work and I realized I I wanted to start running because mm-hmm. I always kind of saw like these marathons. My goal someday is to run a marathon. Right. I haven't run one yet. I've run like a bunch of half marathons. Someday you will. <laughs> someday. <laughs> so I said, you know, I want to try running. Yeah. So again, I downloaded an app. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, the um, best place to start these right? days. <laughs> <laughs> it's called, I think, Run Coach. Okay. And it was like running and walking. Mm-hmm. And it starts like two minutes running, three minutes walking. After two minutes, I'm dying. Mm-hmm. I'm like, my god yeah so but I build up and I build up endurance and I'm running I'm running all the time Mm -hmm. and I'm losing weight I feel great and I realize like I'm actually a normal weight now Mm -hmm. I'm telling patients like exercise and eat well and I feel good because I'm actually doing it yeah and were you able do you feel like you were able to talk to them on a deeper level having some experience doing it yourself yeah so I, it was interesting I had a discussion with a co-resident mm-hmm. who was like always in great shape mm-hmm. and was never overweight in his life mm-hmm. and I always congratulated and celebrated small victories mm-hmm. like when a patient came to me and they had lost two or three pounds yeah. like it's a celebration like yeah. for me I'm like this is awesome keep up the great work and he's just like you know whatever they weigh this much that's like it's nothing. It's right. like a rate normal fluctuation. Right. And I'm like, that's not the attitude to have. So it's, and I think it was easier for me and I broke it down because mm-hmm. like the thing that was always so daunting for me was like, I have to lose over a hundred pounds. Like this is insane. Right. If you look at the end result, it seems so far away. Right. And 
then that helped me set goals for my patients. Mm -hmm. So I say, well, you know, the next time I see you in a month, Mm -hmm. I want you to try to lose four pounds. Mm -hmm. They're like, just four pounds? Like, yeah, try to lose four pounds. That's one pound a week. And it's like, I think I think I can do that. Yeah. And then it's four pounds and four pounds and four pounds before you know it. My patients are actually losing weight. Mm-hmm. Blood pressure is getting better. Their diabetes is more controlled. And it's like this is amazing. That's amazing. So and throughout this time, I'm running and I'm running, and then I start getting running injuries because mm-hmm. that's the only thing that I'm doing is running. Um, and I'm trying to figure out what else I should do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I actually walk into an Anytime Fitness. Okay. It's also starting to get cold and in central Wisconsin. Yeah, you got to find somewhere <laughs> indoors. <laughs> so I'm just like, all right, well, they have treadmills. And when I sign up, they have like a free, um, is it trainer package? Okay. So I was like, all right, well, if it's free, yeah, I guess why I'll not? try. <laughs> Sounds like a good deal. So, and I thought I was in really good shape because I'm running all the time. My weight is normal. I feel good. Mm-hmm. And then I try and the first thing they do a little work at, they try and have you do a burpee. And I'm like, she shows me. I'm like, all right. <laughs> so I got my hands and I can't jump back. Like I don't even have enough strength in my arms wow. to like jump back. Yeah. And it's like little hop back. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and she's just like, no, no, but do it. I'm like, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> this is all I can do. Mm-hmm. And I realized how weak I actually was. Because wow. even though I was running this much, I was like... You weren't really doing anything with your upper body. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, but I like couldn't even jump. You know how they have like the... Like what is it? Like the... Or... Like not even the box, like little steps. Mm-hmm. Like for... For like step aerobics or yeah, something? Yeah. Okay. I couldn't even jump up onto one of them. Mm-hmm. I like... I had nothing. I had just a from real strength or were you like afraid to I, jump? I was, was a little it? afraid, but mm-hmm. I just... I didn't actually have the strength. Mm-hmm. I realized... I had no real strength. Yeah. I could run. I had yeah. good endurance, but I didn't have any strength at all. So I started working the trainer and I got stronger. And then I actually met my fiance, Ben. Oh, okay. So, and he did CrossFit. Oh, And okay. so he introduced me. He's talking about it all the time. And I'm like, this sounds <laughs> awesome. Like, I, I want to try yeah. this. And I tried CrossFit one time before. Okay. Um, I was doing a visiting rotation. Um... And the gym I went to, I they didn't really supervise me, so they let me okay. try like snatches the first time I ever did CrossFit. Well, on your first day, yeah. So <laughs> I like couldn't move after that. I had like twisted my back or something, oh, wow. and I was like, maybe not CrossFit. Not for me. So, but then Ben is like, no, no, come. He's telling me about it. I'm like, I do want to try this. He's like, all right, well, come. Yeah. Try it out. So I did like some CrossFit with him. This is so fun. <laughs> All these people are really nice. Mm-hmm. So I signed up for the fundamentals class. Okay. And I like, I remember the first time I tried to do squat with the barbell, mm-hmm. fell, fell over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Even I did. I still like <laughs> love looking back at those early videos. Like I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> yeah. So was, I remember I always laughed. I was out of love. You just have to have a sense of humor <laughs> about it. <laughs> Everyone starts there. <laughs> Absolutely. But I had I had so much fun. It was such a good community. Mm-hmm. And I actually, I was feeling even better. Um, from the running, I had been trying to take break from running with uh, getting, because I had a stress fracture okay. from running so much. Okay. But then I didn't have anything that I could actually do. Right. And I was feeling, because I was ac- actually exercising and like feeling good. Yeah. Feeling you don't want to lose that well. feeling. 
I was getting really cranky, Mm -hmm. especially like in the winter on call. Oh, yeah. And I had nothing to do. Mm -hmm. So, like, starting CrossFit was, I think, one of the best things that I did. And I love it so much. That's so awesome. It's so fun. That's so great. And it's interesting to hear because I've had other guests on the podcast too with a similar story where maybe they had one experience that wasn't the greatest but then someone convinced them to give it a second shot and go to a different gym or find a different community and that's where they really made the connection and I think it's so good to hear those stories because I think there's so many people who have one experience and then they think oh this isn't for me but because it's every gym is so different and every community is so different you never know you know what's going to be the right fit for you right and I'm just lucky to have the right community yeah so and then you know, and I think about that, I remember I was starting CrossFit. I was really loving it. I'm seeing patients in my clinic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know where we learn this, but, mm-hmm. like, you tell patients, like, you know, try to walk 30 minutes a day. <laughs> yeah. And I had one patient who goes, you know, do I have to walk? And I said, well, you know, why, why do you ask me? Yeah. She's like, well, I don't really like walking. I like riding my bike, though. Oh. Is that okay? And I was like, well... Yeah. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> and then, if it, you know, and I was thinking more about that. And I, with every patient after that, I said, well, what do you like to do? Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, you know, walk 30 minutes a day, right. et cetera, et cetera, yeah. like all the boring stuff. And I, I got a lot of different answers. So One's like, well, I have this hand bike at home that I like to use because my it gets really slippery and I'm mm-hmm. scared to fall. Mm-hmm. One was like, I like to do Zumba classes. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) do more Zumba. Like, go for it. And like, it got a, it got a really good response. Oh, that's great. That's a great tip because it's so true. There's so many different things that the people are doing nowadays. And, and I never, I I feel like patients or people in general, just, you don't want to think about exercise as a chore or something that you have to do. It should be something that's fun and something that you enjoy. Right. And that's why, I mean, I think that's why probably both of us love CrossFit so much is because it's, we enjoy going to the gym. That's where our community is. It's a fun part of our day that we look forward to versus, mm-hmm. um, like even the other day I was talking to one of our faculty members and he goes to the gym and puts his headphones in and does, you know, the machines mm-hmm. and, um, he says how much he hates it but he does it because he knows it's good for him and and I just think it should be fun you know if you're going to be spending an hour of your day every single day or multiple times a week it should be something that you are enjoying I think that's why people fail Mm -hmm. because they're doing something that they hate Mm -hmm. it's like I don't like peas. If someone told me I need peas every day to be healthy, I'd be like, maybe not. No, thanks. Not worth it. Not worth it. So, and I think that's a lot of what we run into. Mm -hmm. Um, People who feel like it's too much of a burden, it's too much work, and Mm -hmm. it's not even worth it. Mm -hmm. But it's hard to explain to someone like, no, it is. It is worth it. Yeah. I know we had a discussion um, about primary care and preventative health, Mm -hmm. and I mean, I love nephrology, mm-hmm. but I would love to see a lot fewer patients with renal disease from diabetes and hypertension. Sure. sure. And that's probably a large part of your population that you see. So how, how, well, I guess just backing up, I want to yeah. ask a few more questions sure, about sure, sure. kind of your whole um, process. Do you think like looking back, if you had been introduced to CrossFit, like 
right at the beginning when you were just starting to make changes, what would you have thought or what would you, would you have not even considered it at that time? I think that if somebody had introduced me to CrossFit, I probably would have started a lot earlier. Really? Yeah. Okay. And, and what do you think, I guess, what do you think is, is one of the reasons why people are often so intimidated by it or how do you, how would you advise people to kind of get over that? So I think one of the biggest things people are worried about is I have to be good and in shape to start. Mm -hmm. So that's actually a preconception that I had. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, it's really, I mean, it's not true. If you go to any CrossFit gym, you see people of all very, like Mm -hmm. all different levels Mm -hmm. and all different capabilities and it's scaled for each person. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the biggest things that scares people is, well, I'm not in good enough shape. I can't do, I can't possibly do this. And it's like this can't attitude. Like, no, I don't think I can do it. No, I don't think that I'm going to like it. I don't think this, I don't think that. And it's like, well, you know, just give it a try. It's more of a mental barrier. Yeah. And I think part of it too, one of the things actually, one of the reasons I started exercising at home to start was Mm -hmm. because I was embarrassed Mm -hmm. and I was worried about going to the gym Mm -hmm. and thinking like, what are people going to think about me? Like, what is she doing here? She shouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. But it's, as I got more into this, I'm like, you don't know, no, like I'm here because I'm, it's everybody starts somewhere. Right. <laughs> like, and this is my starting. Right. And I think that's one of the things people think about CrossFit too. It's like, well, I need to lose this much weight or mm-hmm. get into, be able to do this before I can go. Mm-hmm. It's like, n- n- that's not true. And I think if any place, CrossFit's one of the most accepting communities for that. Absolutely. And you get the most, like, I think, like cheerleaders, mm-hmm. really. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's like it's the best to see. No matter what place you're finishing in the workout, if you're the last one and everyone else is done, they're all there cheering you on, and that's you just don't get that at a at another gym or in another environment mm, for so. sure. And it's like when I started to, I felt bad. I was like, oh, I felt bad. I had to scale this. I felt bad. I couldn't finish. And Ben, well, just goes, but did you have a good workout? Like. <laughs> Did you get in a good workout? Yeah. Did you sweat? Do you feel good? Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. It's like that's that's really all that matters. Right. A lot of it is all just about the mindset and the perspective, for sure. So, how do you now, when you have patients that you're seeing, or just other acquaintances or people that you meet at the gym who are just in their starting out phase, and maybe who are similar to you that have never exercised before, what type of advice do you give them? So. It's funny you ask that because there was a girl at my gym who just started and she okay. felt bad because she didn't do as well as she had hoped. Mm-hmm. And I walk, I heard her as I'm walking by and I turned out, I was like, never feel bad. Yeah. Like you came, you worked out, mm-hmm. like you, you did it. You, you did better than the person sitting at home on the couch, not doing right. anything. Right. So it's, I think the advice is just, you know, you just be proud that you're, you're there. Like mm-hmm. you showed up. That's mm-hmm. the hardest part, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm also interested in, in kind of what makes people finally make that decision to start making a change. And I think you kind of talked about all the different things leading up and then the different experiences in med school. And obviously it takes time. It's Mm -hmm. like a lot of times you're talking to patients and you know, they're not really in that phase where they're ready to start making a change. So how do you how do you how can you help people move forward in that process and get closer to to being ready so you know people who don't want to change aren't going to change right um it's those people who are at the beginning 
phases like well you know I would like to but and it's I, I think it's just encouraging them and it's mm-hmm. encouraging those small changes what I would say to patients I'd say well you know tell me about what you eat mm-hmm. and they're like well I go out for dinner every night I'm like well you know maybe why don't you try going out to dinner five nights a week instead of seven nights a mm-hmm. week and it's these incremental changes, like mm-hmm. letting people succeed. Mm-hmm. So giving them tasks that they can succeed at. Mm-hmm. Like, well, you know, I know you like to eat ice cream every night, but what about every other night? Mm-hmm. And it's small steps where they they can succeed mm-hmm. instead of don't eat out, don't eat salt, don't eat sugar don't eat sweets mm-hmm. people are going to fail at that right. and I think it's just encouraging these small changes over time and acknowledging one of the biggest things I tell patients is it, it didn't come on all mm-hmm. in one night it's mm-hmm. not going to come off in one night yeah. and it takes a lot of hard work and it takes a lot of change mm-hmm. and patients who want to change you just they don't it, it's helping them know where to start mm-hmm. what I always recommend it the first step I'd always tell people was basically what I did was just keep a food diary. Yeah. Like I said, you don't, don't even count calories. Just write down. Mm -hmm. It's going to make you realize what you're eating and how much you're eating. Mm -hmm. Because that was one of the biggest like shocks to me Mm -hmm. is how much I was actually eating. Yeah. And like in, in a day, even times when I wasn't hungry. Mm-hmm. It's just, just kind of like part bored, of your... like part of routine and yeah. boredom or whatever. Exactly. Um, do you have any examples of patients that you've worked with or that you've ha- seen have a lot of success over a period of time? Yeah. So I was very lucky. I had, I think, great patients. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> I had always hope. <laughs> Patient, patients who want your help are mm-hmm. the best. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had this one young girl. She would come to me and... Um, I don't know how they do it in Epic here, but in our EMR, like, be read for things you need to address. Okay. And BMI is one of those. Mm-hmm. Not that I endorse BMI for a lot of things. Yeah. but It has its faults, for sure. It has its faults. But in, you know, some patients it is applicable. Mm-hmm. So for her, you know, we talked about it, and she always felt so bad and so embarrassed. And I was like, this is nothing to be embarrassed about. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm your doctor, and I want to help you. Yeah. And so it was really going through, like, what what do you like to do? Mm-hmm. And her brother was like a personal trainer and he's like, she's like, I like kickboxing with him. Hmm. Like, well, why don't you kickbox with your brother? I said, and while you're doing that, just keep a food diary. Yeah. It's like, just write down what you're eating. It's like, don't even count calories, just write it down and bring it with you next time. Mm-hmm. And so when she came to see me, she's like, you know, I feel better. I, I'm kickboxing like two or three nights a week and I have so much fun. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's great. And we went through a food diary and I, I said, well, all right, you know, this is what you're eating. It's like, well, why don't you write how you feel before you eat? Mm-hmm. And she's going through and she's like, you know, the next time she comes, she's like, I feel like bored or upset. Mm-hmm. And those are the times that I'm eating the worst foods. Okay. So we went through kind of like, well, what can you do instead? Mm-hmm. And really, she decided to do kickboxing more when she's like feeling bad. She's like, yeah. I'm going to go to the gym. Yeah. I'm like, that sounds great. It's a great solution. Like, that's <laughs> awesome. Like, yeah. That's a great stress relief. And she lost a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in my residency over the three years, she probably lost, I think, 60 pounds or so. Wow. That's so, amazing. And she felt so much better. Yeah. And it helped her self-confidence a lot. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. And then, of course, I have patients who have bariatric surgery, too, which mm-hmm. I think I, I think is a great tool mm-hmm. for the right patient. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, I know there's a lot of negative for bariatric surgery, but bariatric surgery, how I explain it to patients, it's not a solution. Mm-hmm. It's just instead of digging a hole in your backyard with a spoon, you're using a shovel. Mm-hmm. So, but it still takes a lot of time and a lot of change mm-hmm. and a lot of work. Right. Even up front before you get the surgery and then afterwards, same thing, which I think people don't often understand. Right. So, wow. Do you ever tell patients or share with them part of your story or your journey? And how does that go over? Some patients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like obviously, you can't, yeah, obviously, you're not going to tell every patient. But. Right. So, I think it's, it's more, I mean, I don't tell a lot of patients because, you know, I don't want that. I, I don't want to have them feel like I'm pushing things on them mm-hmm. or, like, using their time for me. Right. But... Uh, like this girl, she was getting, you know, she gets frustrated. Weight mm-hmm. loss is not like waking up and being like, you know what, I'm going to be healthy. Right. And then you're healthy mm-hmm. and you change and you just steadily lose weight. It's ups and downs mm-hmm. and it's messing up every now and then and learning how to forgive yourself and continue on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because she came in, she was really upset and like frustrated with everything because she hadn't been losing weight and she kind of mm-hmm. hit like a plateau mm-hmm. and it's just telling her like, it's okay. Everybody gets this. Like, I do understand. Like, yeah. I do know where you're coming from and I know that it's hard mm-hmm. and I know that changing these habits and changing life, like changing your lifestyle is really what we're asking them to do. It's mm-hmm. one of the hardest things that we do. Oh yeah. So I tell patients quitting smoking and losing weight are the two hardest things we ask them to do because it requires complete lifestyle and changes and changes in their habits. Absolutely. And the habits are so ingrained in us. Even, I mean, just small things that that I notice that I try to change how, how difficult it is until it's something that becomes part of your every single day routine. It's just, it requires so much effort. And so it takes time. It takes a lot of time. What are some of the biggest things that you noticed over the the period that helped encourage you to keep going with your changes? So I think part of it is after I started to really exercise and eat better, mm-hmm. I realized how much better I felt. Like, I, I didn't realize how little energy I had. Like, I'm yeah. li- I was, like, lying on the couch all the time, like, doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was fine. But after I started to feel better, I realized, like, how terrible I felt and I never realized it before yeah I've heard that from a lot of people like I didn't know how bad I felt until I felt good which is so true you don't even know about this whole other level of living right until you experience it so, and that's I think that's a good way of putting it like mm-hmm. I was kind of like existing and well obviously existing pretty well, well. in med school and, <laughs> and doing great things but you didn't even know about but a I whole didn't new know how much more energy I could have or how much better I could feel and like in just thinking about that helped I think helped push me on and thinking about how bad I felt knowing like Mm -hmm. not wanting to go back to that Mm -hmm. ever Mm -hmm. that helped continue to push me and then you know making friends who like you know making friends at the gym making Mm -hmm. friends who uh, do the same things you kind of have the same mindset right. helps a lot too so surrounding your peop- yourself with people who have the same ideals which is I think one another big benefit yeah. of CrossFit because you have this whole community right. who want to be healthy mm-hmm. that's and so true 
the people that you surround yourself make such a huge difference absolutely that's so true Okay, so I want to talk a little bit more about how now doing CrossFit and being in this lifestyle has influenced you as a physician. And we talked a little bit about it, you know, working with patients, but Mm -hmm. how, once you kind of got into that, how did it change the way you think about health or the way you think about um, working with your patients? So I think, I mean, I think one of the biggest things is how much control we have over our own health Mm -hmm. and how many changes we can make that influences our health. Mm -hmm which is why I, I work so hard to change diet mm-hmm. in a lot of my patients and just educate. And it's amazing to me how little people know about the food that they're eating. Mm-hmm. Like I think I was telling you, I was asked more than once if pizza has salt or if Chinese food has salt and just going through and even getting patients to stop eating like ruddy frozen meals right. help their blood pressure. Because I, I, get, I get a lot of resistant hypertension, which is real resistant or resistant. Mm-hmm. And just talking about the diet, people don't realize what they're eating. And I try to spend a lot of time educating on that. Um, because I don't, if I can avoid prescribing medications, I do. Mm-hmm. And I think knowing what you can do with diet and exercise, I'm a little bit more hesitant Mm -hmm. if I can avoid if not Mm -hmm. you know there's it's always a a reason exactly but But if you can be on two antihypertensives Mm -hmm. as opposed to three or four that's what my goal is yeah that's amazing so you do find that even patients who get to you who are resistant hypertension you're able to make some changes in their diet and help them yeah improve their blood pressure just just with that alone one of the biggest things you know um as you know, you have to be on diuretic to be <laughs> classified. But a lot of these patients on diuretics are eating a lot of salts, which basically makes it like, why even take a diuretic? Yeah. Yeah. So just st- leaving them on their same medicines and educating them on mm-hmm. salt mm-hmm. intake. Blood pressure is controlled, and sometimes they even have to go down, wow. which is always that's a, that's <laughs> always really me. fun. <laughs> I love taking medications away. <laughs> yes, oh, that's amazing, and it's so awesome to hear you say that too. Because I think oftentimes, once patients get to a specialist, you know, you think that all those things are have already been addressed, or it's like the focus tends to be more on the medications, and so. I think it also just goes to show with our with our system and what's happening in primary care, there isn't often all those discussions going on um, in the primary care office, probably for many reasons, like one, lack of education, two, the time that, you right. know, we have to spend with patients. So, so and it, it also has a lot to do with your persistence. Mm-hmm. I am... I'm the <laughs> doctor who calls the patient weekly, like, what are your blood pressures? <laughs> what are you eating? Like, have you been working on yeah. this? And seeing them more often in my clinic mm-hmm. and giving them a chance because, you know, you kind of nailed a couple of the big points. It's not having a lot of time, mm-hmm. not having education, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's giving people a chance to change. Yeah. And I, to it. Exactly. I try to give people that chance and give them the push to change mm-hmm. before prescribing more medications. And believing in them, too. Right. I think what you said earlier about making those small changes and celebrating them is so important. And and it's true. I think sometimes people, I've done that with a few patients where I'll call them to follow up on 
things that we had talked about and they're mm-hmm. so surprised because they're just not used to it. And they're like, wait, wait, I thought I had another two months before we were going to have to talk about this. Um, but it is, I mean, it's just, you know, unfortunately it doesn't, it's not feasible a lot of the time or it just doesn't happen to get follow up that closely, but right. it makes a huge difference just to know that you have someone else in the world who cares about you and who is there for you to be accountable to making these right. changes and, and wants to see you get better and not have to be on medication. Exactly. And I think one of the big things is being accountable. Yes. <laughs> like having someone that you're going to have to go talk to because some patients, sometimes they just make the change so that I stop bothering them about their blood pressure. Mm-hmm. I mean, if that's what happens, I'm not upset about it. <laughs> it's still happening. <laughs> <laughs> be better if the motivation came from within but so, but I mean if it's, it's coming because they're worried what I'm going to say about their blood pressure yeah I mean at least everyone has least a different yeah everyone works a little differently <laughs> so that's good have you how have you what has been your experience of either talking about CrossFit or talking about these things among your peers or among other faculty as you're going through your training so as far as talking about CrossFit I think there can be some misconception. Um, when I was going back to CrossFit from when I was so sick for my asthma, yeah. it was a lot of, well, you know, you need to be careful, not like that crazy stuff that they do. And I'm like, <laughs> I'll be okay. <laughs> but it's just this thought that CrossFit is like high intensity. I mean, it is high intensity, right. but it's like high intensity going on and on and on and lifting weights until you get wrapped or you pass out, mm-hmm. which obviously it's not. Right, right. Um, but then again, and some people know actually what CrossFit is. Yeah. Um, as far as nutrition, what I think has been nice is actually there's been a lot of more more studies, more research into how nutrition and how diet and exercise actually affect patients. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about it. What were we talking about? Were we talking about a study we were doing board questions okay and it was a study about keto analogs which are calcium binders with essential amino acids okay and a very low protein diet or basically essentially a vegan vegetarian diet okay and its effect on progression to esrd hmm. and, and stage renal disease for yeah. our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's interesting it's it was a very small study but what i was suggesting is that diet can play a role and can mm-hmm slow progression mm-hmm. of kidney disease which is you know always our goal right so and i was looking there were some studies more recently i think there was one actually about paleo diet mm-hmm. um and inflammation um and there was a study about diet and exercise and um or exercise plus other therapies and exercise is helpful i know this is a shock shocking i know <laughs> every time a new study comes out that's like Exercise is, is like, good exercise for is good for your health. Like, oh, really? <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, that's so good to know, though, because I think that's, for me, one of the most frustrating things, seeing, you know, taking care of patients with diabetes and then seeing, like I was reading, you know, how do we manage diabetic nephropathy as a primary care doctor? And it's basically like you just monitor and wait until it gets bad enough and then you refer them to, to, to a kidney doctor. And and I'm just like, there has to be, I mean, obviously with the diabetes and everything, you're always right. trying to make those changes, but it's good to know that at least those things can be helpful too in slowing the progression of kidney disease. Yeah. And I think um, 
because I, again, they're getting to me if they've already had signs. Mm-hmm. And I'm a very blunt physician. <laughs> and I tell things very plainly. Yeah. Um, and part of it is because I want them to know what they're facing. Yeah. And when people come to me with diabetic nephropathy because they're not taking their insulin or they're not controlling their diet, they're not exercising, they're gaining weight, and they just don't care because nothing has happened. Right. I always say, you know, this is one of the top causes of renal failure in the United States. And if you continue the way you're going, you're going to end up on dialysis. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's, you know, shock enough. Yeah. And... I always talk about, I, I always try to talk about diet mm-hmm. and patients where diet can make a difference mm-hmm. and exercise and being active can make a difference. Talk about it. Um, I mean, again, going back to blood pressure, which is one of my favorite topics, <laughs> um, they're lo- changing your lifestyle, losing weight and exercising actually decreases your blood pressure more than any antihypertensive medication on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, which is what I bring up to patients. Right. Like, this is way more effective. I'm like, this is really effective medication. If then, you don't like taking these four medications mm-hmm. a day, you can do something about it. Mm-hmm. So again, this is the general hypertensive patient, not right. secondary hypertension. Right. And this is, I mean, this is something that is just not often discussed. Like well, most physicians are not, are not talking about it in that way. And even like you were saying, kind of scaring people up front. I've seen a couple other residents that I've tried to model after model after that like even when patients are first diagnosed with diabetes obviously you have to judge based on the patient their Mm -hmm. personality but like a little bit of scare tactic is good because that's the point where it's really easy to reverse you know because they're still in the early phase and talking to them about like you know being on dialysis being amputations being blind like all of those things that are very very scary but so that they know because a lot of times i think you know it's just a discussion of, oh, your A1C is now you're in the diabetic range and mm-hmm. here's your medication and there's really no discussion. It's just kind of like a normal thing. It's like, well, thing. there you go. And it's like, well, okay, well, my sister has diabetes. My mom has diabetes. Mm-hmm. My cousins have diabetes. It's like, all right, well, I, I mean, it was going to happen to me sometime. Right. And it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't have, have to. to. Right. Right. It's like you have so much control over the situation, which exactly. is it super empowering, but you know, a lot of patients don't even realize it. And there's so many illnesses that people can't control, mm-hmm. but in things that you can, like, don't you want to? Right. And there's, of course, there's going to be people who don't want to, and that's right. their choice. And that's but their choice. They should be informed and be encouraged, I think. So, and I think that's, you know, I think that's one of the big things, having gone through what I went through and changing how I change, recognizing how much power you have to influence your own life. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you if you can influence what happens to you, why wouldn't you? Right. And I was so, I mean, I was so, diabetes runs in my family mm-hmm. and heart disease runs in my family. And I was like, basically, I need to get diabetes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but I don't. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't have to. And then, you know, it's interesting. I had, remember thing, I had blood work done and my triglycerides, like 140, mm-hmm. which are high mm-hmm. for everybody. <laughs> um, and my HDL or my good cholesterol was low at 30. Okay. And my LDL was normal-ish. Okay. And after I started exercising lost of my HDL is like 75 now. Wow. My triglycerides are like 30 or 40. That's amazing. So... And it's just, you know, it's changing. I'm not at that risk for heart disease mm-hmm. or 
having cardiovascular event, mm-hmm. um, decreased risk for diabetes. It's all of these things that like, I don't want diabetes. I don't have to yeah. get it. Yeah, I can influence it. It's so empowering. And knowing now, I think you mentioned the family history. I think people often too think that their genes are like an end-all be-all. But now we know that that's not the case. And there's so many different factors that go into how those genes are expressed. And even if you have a high risk of some of these diseases, if you live your lifestyle in a certain way, you can still avoid them or delay them a significant amount. Absolutely. Um, so that's a really great point. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's having gone through it, it's empowering to me and I want other people to be empowered. Like, mm-hmm. if you don't want this, you don't have to do it. Like, you just have to change what you're doing. You right. Stop smoking. Stop eating at McDonald's every day. Stop drinking three Cokes a day. Mm-hmm. Like, it's amazing. It's okay. Like, it's been so eye-opening working with patients now and, you know, oh, I eat pretty healthy. And then, you know, when you go into detail about, like, what did you eat today? What did you eat yesterday? It's, like, pretty healthy means a lot of different things to different people. Exactly. And, um, it's so eye-opening. I think that one of the things about being in the CrossFit community is that I take for granted that, you know, the, the people that we're surrounded with it understand right. these basic things about nutrition and exercise and, and the majority of our population still does not have that education. Right. And like a lean cuisine meal is healthy. Right. Like, oh, it's only so many calories, so it must right. be healthy. So, and it's, you know, I, it's always interesting to ask because people not being in CrossFit mm-hmm. and not having had the experience, people are like, oh, I eat pretty healthy. And you learn to say, well, what, is, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Like, what does that mean to you? Mm-hmm. They're like, well, I had the happy meal at McDonald's. And you're like, <laughs> all right, well. <laughs> all right, we're <laughs> we going to start there. To start. We're going to start there, yeah. So, you know, and it's, it always, it's, it, I think it's great. Uh, people, the way they react to that. Mm-hmm. Like someone says, well, well, I eat Chinese food. It has a lot of vegetables. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, you know, it has a lot of salt and a lot of sugar. Mm-hmm. It's like, really? Really? <laughs> I didn't know. Like, so what should I be eating? And that's, mm-hmm. you know, and that gives you the opportunity to talk about it and discuss changes. Mm-hmm. And I don't really like, I'm not very good at cooking. Thank goodness Ben <laughs> likes to cook. <laughs> I don't really like cooking either, mm-hmm. but it's not that hard to eat healthily and not like cook if anything crazy. Yeah, you can still. It might not be the most amazing dish or the most. <laughs> it might not know, be the most imaginative, variety, but <laughs> it does the job. Exactly. <laughs> that's so true. That's a, that's another huge intimidating factor I think for people is just cooking and you know learning to make basic stuff. Yeah, but taking that first step. Um, then you realize that it's actually really doable. So, Like I learned if you put a bunch of chicken breasts in the oven at the same time, you can eat chicken all week. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so efficient. <laughs> it's great. And I don't really have to cook. Yeah. That's so awesome. Very good. Um, so advice for just one for someone who's listening who is you when you were in med school and then some advice for maybe a family member or a friend or someone of that person um, to, or a physician or a coach who's interacting with that person, how can you best help them along their journey? So I think, you know, 
if I was to talk to me years ago, I'd say, just do it. Just start. Mm-hmm. You're going to feel so much better. And, you know, it's one, it's, it's one step at a time. Mm-hmm. It's not going to come off. It, the weight's not going to come off. You're not going to feel amazing right away. Mm-hmm. But celebrating working out or eating healthy one day at a time, you're going to be successful. Mm-hmm. Friends, coaches, doctors, I think it's celebrate the small successes. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I think people underestimate how much that means like somebody congratulating you on losing five pounds Mm -hmm. that's a big deal yeah so you know to me losing five pounds was a big deal I remember I lost four pounds Mm -hmm. and I told one of my colleagues I remember she goes that's nothing and I felt so discouraged but I was like you know what whatever I'm gonna celebrate (laughs) I'm gonna celebrate and now I've lost more than 150 pounds amazing uh you know it doesn't come off all at once Mm -hmm. And celebrating small steps and small victories along the way are a big deal. It's the same. It just made me think about being in the gym. Like whether you're working on getting a new skill or you're trying to do a workout RX, it's not going to happen right away, right? Right. Like that's, I think, the world we live in where we have this instant gratification and we want everything to happen right now. But all the good things in life take a lot of time right? and take effort and dedication in their heart. And so... You know, no matter what it is, whether you're working on a gym uh, in the gym or whether you have a goal at work or at home or whatever it is, I think that's a great philosophy to have and to celebrate those victories along the way because it's a long road. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'll finish with three questions I ask everyone on the podcast. Okay. So first one is three things you do on a regular basis that have the biggest positive impact on your health. The first one is setting an alarm with enough time to snooze that's amazing so today i completely this is my day off this week and i completely my alarm didn't go off it was the weirdest thing this has never happened to me before but i was so late for this meeting that i had and i don't know why that just made me think of it but yeah i agree (laughs) and i i like to work out first thing in the morning because that's when i'm most likely to do it okay and I feel like I get the most benefit from it. Yeah. So I set my alarm with enough time to snooze. Okay. So then How I long do you snooze for? It depends on the day. Okay. <laughs> I try to estimate the night before. Okay. It's usually about 15 or 20 minutes. Okay. So not too excessive. So not excessive. Mm-hmm. Except on like weekends sometimes. <laughs> weekends you shouldn't even be setting an alarm, I feel right? like. <laughs> um, so I set my alarm with time to snooze and then work out in the morning. Um... I plan what I'm going to eat the day before, and if I'm going to go out, plan around that. Okay. Um, and then I'm trying to make sure I get enough sleep. Mm-hmm. How much sleep do you usually get now? Um, it's a second year fellow. It's so much easier to get <laughs> sleep. <laughs> um, I do well, and I get about seven or eight hours a night. That's great. So I'm okay at six. Less than that, I'm a little... Yes tired and cranky. I'm the same way. This year has been interesting, but I still, I do much better if I'm getting eight, seven, eight for sure. Yeah. Um, but it's amazing how you can adapt when you need to. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. One thing that you're working on or something that you think would have a big impact, but you have a hard time implementing it. Um, something where I'm still trying to do, learn how to do a pull up get that strength that's okay. like an aside it's one of those things <laughs> that we're working towards that will take time yeah you know, it's funny I can like sort of do a handstand push up but I can't do a pull up interesting wow yeah I would expect it would be the other way right? around but okay <laughs> I'm actually better at handstand push up than I'm at like actual push ups wow I don't know why 
but that's my aside. Yeah. Um, something that I'm working on that would have a big impact. I think the biggest thing that I've been working on is actually planning my grocery list. Mm. Um, I don't mind eating the same thing every day, mm-hmm. uh, but after maybe about two weeks, I get a little bit bored. Right, time for something new. So I think it's planning planning my grocery list and then actually having recipes that I'll mm-hmm. cook mm-hmm. that are fast because, again, I don't love cooking. Right. Yeah, I found just in the past couple of weeks, I've been doing some diet experimentation and I've found it's seems like it will be a lot of work, but just taking a few minutes to plan like two or three recipes and then say, I'm going to eat this for lunch every day and I'm going to eat this for dinner every day and like breakfast, you can pull together some stuff and then it doesn't take that long, but you feel so much better going into the week knowing that you've put thought into it ahead of time. You've made a couple of things Um, because I think that's when we all make bad decisions is when we haven't planned ahead or we just, and you're hungry and you're like, what's fast and easy. Exactly. Exactly. So that's, that's awesome. So that's something I've been working on and I've seen actually a nutrition coach and he's been helping me a lot. That's so great. What type of, do you have any general guidelines that you follow as far as what you eat now? So what I've been doing, um, so again, I see this nutrition coach. It's mm-hmm. just balancing the carbs, fats, and protein, mm-hmm. and then allowing myself to have like my Kit Kat every now and then. There you go. <laughs> you have to live life a little bit. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, balancing out with some protein. Sure, sure, that's good. So and eating breakfast every day. That's something I changed actually in this last year, and I mm-hmm. feel a lot better. Good. And I don't need like all the coffee. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, I've experimented with that a bit this year too. With even going like a month without coffee and once I mean the first week is really rough but Mm -hmm. once you are off of it you actually feel really good I feel like I can think a lot more clearly and I don't feel you don't have the like highs and lows of being kind of jittery and then crashing so but I do love coffee so I always go back to drinking I do I love coffee but now it's nice because I can have like my cup in the morning for enjoyment yes and not like I I need need to to open my eyes yes (laughs) it's so true so true all right last question is what does a healthy life look like to you I think a healthy life to me is one that is balanced Mm -hmm. so that you have time you you have work that hopefully you love mm-hmm. um, but balancing that with spending time with your loved ones mm-hmm. and kind of being with them it's so true it's true the, the more I think about it the more I think that it's at the end of the day it's all about the people and it's exactly. all about your relationships and exactly you know you can do so many different things in life but if you don't have that base of people to go back to it doesn't really mean a whole lot so and it's I've learned a lot about it this year these last two years because um Ben and I have lived apart Mm -hmm. so he's stayed in Wisconsin my whole fellowship Mm -hmm. uh so it's planning those visits long distance and it's you know part of it though you learn to be a little more Mm self-reliant which is good good not that I was ever completely dependent on him (laughs) but I mean, I fix things with duct tape, and he actually knows how to fix things. <laughs> yeah, so, it is like, nice to have someone around who's a little handy. <laughs> so, but you know, you build those, you build those groups of people, right. and I think, you know, to be honest, one of the things that made this transition a lot easier was having CrossFit, and it's mm-hmm. like you have this instant group of friends. Yes, it's so true. So, and it made it a lot easier for me. 
and you know you can walk in whether you're traveling or whether you move somewhere you know you can walk into a gym and feel like these are people who are going to at least understand you know a basic part of who I am and they're going to be people who like to work hard people who are going to embrace you and want you to be your best so it's awesome cool well thank you so much for sitting down with me this has been awesome well thank you I'm really honored (laughs) (laughs) and I'm sad that you're moving away but um, well you can email me anytime with your nephrology questions I certainly will you'll have to come to Wisconsin drop in yes and now the games are in Wisconsin so so many reasons to come to Wisconsin next year I'll have to volunteer this year I think it's I actually it's my first week as like a real attending and I'm on call oh gosh so So you're not gonna really have time to be at the games unfortunately (laughs) next next year I'll have to plan a little better and volunteer that would be fun cool well thank you well thank you Hey there. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I love, love, love hearing about what motivates different people to make changes in their lives. For Rebecca, the last straw was feeling like a hypocrite when talking to her patients. Do you ever feel this way? Whether it's a lifestyle change you preach to others but struggle with yourself, or maybe it's a behavior you don't want your kids to develop, but it's part of your regular routine. I want to hear about it. Share your experience on social media using hashtag pursuing health. To make sure you never miss an episode and to receive exclusive content from me, head to my website, juliefouché.com and subscribe to my email list. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe and consider giving the podcast a five-star rating on iTunes. Also, don't forget to share your stories. If you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please send me an email at info at juliefouché.com. I'll choose some of these inspiring stories to share here on future episodes. Don't forget you can train with me through Beyond the Whiteboard by visiting trainwithjuliefouché.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Pursuing Health. This episode is brought to you by ButcherBox. ButcherBox delivers 100% grass-fed and finished beef, free-range organic chicken, and heritage breed pork directly to your doorstep. Now, I think meat can have a place in a well-rounded diet, but there is a huge, huge difference when it comes to animals raised in feedlots that are fed primarily corn and soy and routinely given growth hormones and antibiotics, and those that are responsibly raised, fed their natural diet, and never given growth hormones or antibiotics. ButcherBox gives me some peace of mind, knowing that I can trust my meat is the highest quality out there and that it will taste amazing. They allow you to order curated or custom boxes of meat, and they always come with recipe ideas for you to explore. My husband, Danny, and I are super excited about firing up our backyard grill this summer to enjoy our butcher box selections with tons of vegetables from our local CSA. And you can join us. Butcher box is extending an awesome offer to you for listening to Pursuing Health. Just head to butcherbox.com forward slash Julie for $20 off your order, plus a free order of their delicious bacon. Again, that's butcherbox.com forward slash Julie. Hope you can check it out and that it makes your life a little bit easier just as it has done for us. This episode is brought to you by MobilityWod. Do you struggle to get into good positions in your training and workouts? Are your movement compensations causing you undue pain and grief? MWOD's belief is that every human being should be able to perform basic maintenance on themselves. For nearly 10 years, Mobility Wad has been the go-to for the world's best athletes and teams. 
Do you know what hundreds of Olympic and world-class athletes, professional teams in the NFL, MLB, basketball, hockey, rugby, and soccer, and dozens of universities all have in common? They use MobilityWad to train and compete at their best. I first took Dr. Kelly Surratt's Movement and Mobility course in 2013, and since then have read his books and followed his videos for ideas on how to address my own movement restrictions. But sometimes having all this information can become overwhelming, which is why I think the real genius is in the MWOD subscription. As part of this subscription, you have access to not only hundreds of hours of video content that can be filtered based on your specific questions, but also a daily 10-minute mobility wad video. You just log in and follow Kelly's instructions as if he is there coaching you in person for 10 minutes per day. You may pick up certain exercises that you wish to incorporate on a regular basis before or after your workouts. But at the very least, by following this daily program, you know you are addressing a wide range of movement patterns and body parts on a regular basis without having to think about it. I often do these sessions first thing in the morning or before bed as a way to wind down from the day. In addition, you have access to an on-ramp sequence and a 14-day mobility challenge that helps you understand the basics and identify the areas you personally need to focus on. You can lean on the MWOD community and discussion boards to learn from others who have been through similar situations or injuries. And if you need more personalized help, you can use the MWOD list to find a like-minded practitioner in your area. It's easy to become part of the Mobility Wad community, but for being a Pursuing Health listener, you can receive 20% off an annual membership with code Julie Fouché. That's J-U-L-I-E-F-O-U-C-H-E-R. Just visit www.mobilitywad.com. Full potential, full power. 